Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Sierra Vista, the official podcast of the city of Sierra Vista. I'm your host and the public information officer for the city, Adam Curtis. In this pilot episode, we'll be speaking with Sierra Vista Police Department Chief Adam Thrasher to hear his thoughts on how the death of George Floyd has sparked na nationwide protests urging police reform, including a peaceful march held in Sierra Vista last week. We'll also talk about the Sierra Vista Police Department's training and accreditation, how its longstanding service with honor program informs its culture, and how citizens can participate in the upcoming Citizen Police Academy. Before we bring in Chief Thrasher, I wanna cover a few bookkeeping items. We plan to host this podcast on a regular basis, but do not yet have a firm schedule for when episodes will be released or what topics will be covered next. The podcast is called Let's Talk Sierra Vista, both because we'll be talking about all things Sierra Vista and also because it's an invitation for you, our listeners, to get involved in the conversation. Please email us your comments, questions, topic ideas, and feedback to pod at sierravistaaz.gov. That's pod, P-O-D, at sierravistaaz.gov. We want to hear from you. All right, Chief Thrasher, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Adam, for having me. It's great to be here. So prior to last week's protest march, uh, you wrote a guest column for the Herald Review regarding the death of George Floyd at the hands of Minneapolis police officers. In that column, you said that as law enforcement officers, we must be better. What do you mean by that? Well, law enforcement has a great responsibility. Uh, we are the only profession that can legally take somebody's freedom for them. Uh, with that knowledge, uh, we must be willing to look at ourselves uh, when we fall short, and when we can do better, and what we can do better as a profession. Uh, but on a more basic level, uh, we want to make sure we treat everybody with dignity and respect uh, as human beings while we do a very difficult job. Absolutely. So we were both at that protest march last week, and going into it, I honestly didn't know exactly how things would go. I didn't know if there'd be 30 people or 300 people. I'm not sure Spencer, the organizer, knew that either initially. Um, and obviously there were a lot of rumors and, and fears circulating around uh, social media about outside provocateurs or agitators coming into town and that kind of thing. Fortunately, that did not happen. Uh, and in fact, I was kind of surprised by the level of participation. There was probably three to 400 people there ultimately. Um, and I did recognize and run into a lot of local people. Um, I'm sure there were some out of town folks that came in for it as well. Um, but I was kind of surprised uh, by how, how well Spencer, uh, just a 19 year old recent Buena grad, was at least able to keep things organized and uh, how everyone is able to keep things uh, peaceful and in good spirit. Um, so we're going to listen into a little audio of the initial part of that march, uh, which is uh, kind of Spencer uh, speaking to the group before they begin walking from the mall at Sierra Vista um, three miles uh, over to the Sierra Vista Police Department and City Hall. I just want to repeat, this is a peaceful protest. I... Okay. I will not tolerate it. I do not care. I will not tolerate it. Do it. If I see it, I will ask you to leave immediately. So Chief, what was your approach in working with Spencer to ensure everyone's safety? And what was your reaction to how everything ultimately went? Uh, like in most of these situations, uh, we, we try to work with the organizers and make sure that everything remains peaceful, uh, that they're able to, to uh, get their message out uh, without causing too many issues. We worked uh, closely with Spencer. We contacted him several times during the week. Uh, to make sure uh, that he understood what the ground rules would be uh, to, make, to ensure that they could do this peacefully. He was very cooperative. 
he was very helpful. Uh, he wanted to make sure that he got his message out and remained peaceful. As you heard from his speech ahead of time, he really laid out the ground rules well. Uh, we take an oath to support the Constitution of the United States uh, and the state of Arizona. Uh, we take that uh, seriously to protect the rights of all citizens, uh, to be able to get their, have their voices heard, but also to protect property and, and, and life. Uh, so our approach has always been to work real close with these with event organizers in, in order to ensure that happens. Um, I was very pleased that it remained peaceful. I think uh, some of the controversy surrounding it with some of the, uh, the social media posts actually caused a lot more of the good people's service to show up, to show what we're made of and what we're about. And to have all those individuals there, close, you know, 400 or so uh, individuals, and, and for it to remain peaceful, uh, I was just very pleased that it turned out that way. Absolutely. Yeah, it was, it was interesting for me to be there, too. It felt a little bit like watching history just because I hadn't seen something like that to that scale in Sierra Vista. And particularly, honestly, during the moment of silence, just having a group of three to 400 people outside City Hall all being quiet together for that long, um, just the gravity of that was really impactful, actually. Um, so it was, it was fun for me to see that, and, and I was really also pleased with how the, the evening went. Sure, and, and I think it's important for people to know that, that not everybody in, in these things always agree on every little aspect of it. Uh, they have their own little particular issue. They want to make sure that they get, uh, you know, their, their voice out heard. And we don't always have to agree, but we need to make sure that everybody has a, a, a peaceful opportunity to get their voices heard. Absolutely. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about the department and, and some of what makes Sierra Vista unique um, and some of the training you guys do, uh, your accreditation, stuff like that. So uh, in 2014, uh, the Sierra Vista Police Department became one of 12 agencies in Arizona internationally accredited through the Commission on the Accreditation of Law Enforcement. That's CALEA for short, and that's usually how you'll hear it uh, referenced. Um, so why uh, did the department uh, pursue that accreditation, and what does it really mean for the department? Uh, so the pursuit of this accreditation actually began before I even started with the police department. It's been a goal since the early 1990s. Oh, wow. Um, it takes a long time to make sure that your policies and procedures are in line with the, uh, the accreditation uh, standards. Uh, so uh, we began the long process of looking at our policies and procedures to make sure that uh, they were in line. And then eventually you officially sign up, and it's a three-year process at the time to, to go through uh, your self-assessment and then go through an evaluation by, by accreditors that come in and look at everything and make sure that your practices and policies match up. Uh, so uh, I, I believe it's really important in terms of creating a culture of, of self-evaluation and self-improvement. Uh, these standards are continuously updated uh, with the new with with what's going on in the communities and, and nationwide and internationally, uh, and then you match up uh, your policies of what you can do in your community to those standards. So not every Kalia agency has the same exact policy. It's matched up to your community, but it addresses certain things that they say you need to address these issues in your policy. Uh, so it's really important that way. It also does dictate certain times about certain types of uh, training that you have to have uh, regarding bias-free policing and, and things like that that they want to make sure that you are addressing ahead of time before they become a problem in your community. So uh, again, those type of things are really important. And, and uh, one of the things we did long ago is there's a lot of things out there about police use of force. And CALEA does use use of force as a standard term. Uh, but in 2010, we made a change in our policies to kind of to uh, show how we were going to change the thought process. Because 
we don't go out every day looking to use force on, on, on individuals. I, I don't know a police officer in this country that gets up in the morning and decides that's what I'm gonna do. We manage subjects' behavior based on the resistance they might be putting up to us uh, when we're making a lawful arrest or, or detaining somebody. So we wanted to start that process uh, in, in our thought processes that this is subject management, not going out and using force. Uh, so we made that term change in our policies, uh, but uh, along with the CALEA, there's a lot of uh, reporting requirements on your, on your use of force or subject management uh, that I think is really important because it helps you analyze what works, what doesn't, and whether or not you're starting to have a problem. Yeah, so it sounds like this isn't like a, a one-time and done deal. This really affects kind of the training you do on a regular basis, and then there must be kind of a process for maintaining that accreditation, right? That's correct. Um, so initially, when we first got on, it was a three-year process. So you, we got accredited in, in 2014. Uh, three years later, in 2017, they came and they evaluated us again, and we were reaccredited. But now they've changed the process that every year they review your policies and procedures, uh, and then on the fourth year, they actually send in accreditors, and they come in and they do that evaluation again. So uh, we are actually in the fourth year. We just went through our policy review uh, about a month ago. Uh, and then later on in the fall, we're going to have uh, assessors come in, uh, personally come in and evaluate us uh, later this fall and hopefully get reaccredited in March of next year. Okay, cool. Um, so... In my role as public information officer, I've worked with your department a lot. I've helped you guys with a lot of your recruitment materials. Uh, so I've gotten the kind of good fortune to get to know a lot of the officers, including yourself a little bit better, and hear about your stories. Um, so I know you are a Buena High School grad, um, and that you kind of worked up your through the ranks of the Sierra Vista Police Department. Um, and in talking to you for the recruitment uh, videos, uh, one of the things that really came forth um, is the department's client service program, uh, Service with Honor. Um, and the way you speak about it, it really serves as a foundation for the department's culture. Um, and it's something that you must have experienced as you were moving through, up through the ranks and also as a leader of the department. Um, so I kind of want to know um, what your sense is uh, in terms of how that Service with Honor program has inf informed uh, your development as a police officer and also informed your approach uh, as leaders of the department? So I think it's really important uh, that, that a department's culture uh, really has a lot of influence about the development of its officers and how they treat uh, uh, citizens. And so our client service program, which again started before I even got hired, and we used to call it excellence in service, and, and basically the base is that we will treat the individual with respect. We'll we, and we will provide the, the best possible service to everyone we can. And if you come from that perspective on every contact you have, uh, then you're out there serving the community and not uh, policing the community. Right. Uh, so that culture was set a long time ago uh, with the chief when I started here in these client service programs. And, and of course, I went through all that training. And in my orientation and my socialization into our culture, that becomes ingrained into, into, my, into me, and that's what we hope happens to our officers as well. Mm -hmm. So when I took over as chief, we were evaluating that program and, and trying to update it. Uh, in terms, we changed the name to Service with Honor. We wanted to get to the core of why most people hire on with police departments, and that's to serve their communities with the highest honor they possibly can. And so uh, we, we re-evaluated that. We added a couple sections on leadership, uh, and that type of stuff so that we could, uh, so our officers would know you're supposed to be a leader in the community. You're a leader, even if you're a patrol officer, you are a leader in this department because leadership 
you lead up, you lead down, and you lead sideways. And I learn a lot from our officers and our department members uh, when they come in and they mention stuff to me. And they're leading me when they do that. Hey, Chief, we need to look at this. Uh, so that they have that ability to come through. So that base client service, where we come from a perspective of we're not here to police our citizens, we're here to serve our citizens, is so vitally important in how uh, we actually uh, do our job. And I've seen this in action, uh, just thinking about it, because obviously I'll, I'll, I do a lot of social media for the city, so I assist with the police department, social media, and that kind of thing. And you'll see all these stories, uh, both shared by the department and just shared by citizens, that really reinforce kind of going above and beyond for people. Um, just little stuff like um, an elderly person driving with an out-of-state license plate, and they actually have their new license plate in the car but haven't put it on yet. Um, the officer will actually remove the old plate and put on the new one right there and then. And it's just doing that little bit of extra, which is really just like kind of customer service or just kind of being kind, I guess, um, that I've seen make an impact on people. Um, I'm wondering if you have any particular examples of that or just can kind of describe what it's like to, um, you know, serve this community and, and kind of the response you get from the community um, when, when your officers do kind of go above and beyond. So uh, absolutely, I think it's really important to understand that we try to, uh, to look at the law in the spirit of the law versus letter of the law. And really, enforcement should be in the spirit of the law, not necessarily letter of law. Sometimes you have to go with letter of law. You don't have any, any choice. But uh, a lot of times, you're trying to go with spirit of the law. So I'll give you a good example. So we weren't able, because of the, the current uh, uh, pandemic, we weren't able to have our annual awards banquet. Uh, well, today we had in-service, and we handed out those 2019 awards. Uh, and our client service award winner, uh, he, was, he was rewarded because of two reasons. One, he wasn't even in the city of Sierra Vista. He was in training in Yuma uh, with his department vehicle because he was on department training. And uh, he came across a homeless man, stopped, helped him, provided him food, uh, um, and, and provided any assistance to him. And we actually had a citizen call us from Yuma straight stating how well that reflected on our department that he wasn't even from Yuma and he was helping somebody in Yuma. Uh, on another case, he was helping out a, a, a victim of a domestic violence, and there was a lot of issues that were involved in this, not just the domestic violence, and all the help and resources that he helped provide to this individual to make sure that she got the help she needed uh, was, was really important. So those are the go above and beyond, provide the best possible service you can. Uh, I, I like to emphasize it doesn't mean that everybody always gets what they want, uh, you know, because sometimes we can't provide it based on the law, based on department policy, those kind of things, but we can... Uh, do the best we can to get them in the, steered in the right direction uh, so that they can get the help that they need. Absolutely. Um, and so with so much national news highlighting examples of police misconduct and uh, many people lobbying for reform, uh, with some even seeking uh, defunding uh, police departments to one degree or another, um, I feel like this is a really important time for people to get to know their local law enforcement officers and to get to know how their local agencies work and, and how they're tailored to, to, to suit that community and how their culture um, kind of serves that community as well. Um, and in this role, uh, both as public information officer for the city and then the previous six years working as uh, the city beat reporter for the Sierra Vista Herald, between the two, I've spent 10, 11 years uh, working in some capacity with the police department uh, on both sides of the fence. Um, and I can honestly say that 
I've had a very positive experience. Uh, certainly, I, I know of some cases where bad things happen, officers do bad things, that happens. Um, but by and large, I've been really, really impressed with the level of transparency of the department. Um, as a journalism student in Tucson, I had some experience working with other police departments, obviously, um, and, and I'm surprised by the level of transparency I experienced here, because um, I wasn't used to it. Um, and as public information officer, I also appreciate that because I send out your guys' press releases and work on that, and, and we do a little bit of that more proactively than you would see in larger communities or some other, other places. Um, and I've also gotten to just see some of the stories of, of officers and how they grow over time. And like Lori Burdick becoming the first SWAT operator for the department is just awesome. I mean, I think she's f all of five feet tall and had to climb, I forget how high of a wall to do that. She had to, to do, do a that. lot of work to get there, but uh, she was very successful, yes. Yeah, and hearing her story of, you know, just, just even seeing that as being possible and being encouraged by others in the department to pursue that, um, is awesome to see. Um, and it just speaks to how there's minority representation in one way or another in the department kind of across the board at this point. Um, there's minority uh, representation in leadership positions, uh, which I think is important to acknowledge and just something I've kind of observed and seen um, in working with the department over the years. Um, so, but the folks listening don't just have to take my word for it. Uh, you guys have uh, something called the Citizen Police Academy, uh, which we typically do every year. And right now the application period is open through June 26th. Uh, that's a Friday. Um, and the plan is to host it at some point in the fall. Obviously plans could change as all plans frequently change in the current environment. Um, but it is a really good opportunity for local adults to get a firsthand look uh, inside the department and meet some of the officers um, and folks who work there. Um, so if you can, uh, talk a little bit about that academy and then also how it reflects uh, the department's broader approach to serving and protecting the community. Sure. Uh, in fact, I'm going to think I'm going to go back a little bit and talk about some of the things you talked about before I get to the Citizens Police Academy so mm -hmm. they would understand what they're kind of getting when they get there. So uh, I think everybody understands that uh, any organization, sometimes bad things happen uh, and uh, we can't always prevent them. I think what's important is to... Uh, deal with those problems head on uh, and be transparent about how you dealt with them. Uh, so uh, police departments made up of individuals, just like any organization, and some mistakes can be made. So I think it's important uh, that we, we treat those up front. Uh, but I think it also goes back to our, our culture of the individual be respected. That's not only taught about the citizens, it's also taught about within the organization, the individual be respected so that you give those people an opportunity to correct those mistakes. Now, there are some mistakes police officers just can't make, period. And so we, we deal with those up front when, when they occur. Uh, luckily, it's been very rare, uh, but I don't think any, any organization will tell you it's never occurred. So dealing with those is important. Um, and, and then with the culture of the individual be respected, that means we're viewing each other all as human beings. And I know you, you've talked about some of the minority representation in different areas. Uh, what you hope to get to the spot is you're not looking at those things. You're looking at the quality of the individual and what they can bring to the table. And we've got some really high-quality individuals in the service to police department that I rely on every single day uh, that, that do some great work. So uh, the Citizens Police Academy and the, and, and the transition into that, so what you'll see in the Citizens Police Academy, you'll first get a taste of our culture. Uh, and what we and what we're about, and then as you go through the 12 weeks, every every Wednesday night, might be Thursday night. I think it's every Wednesday night for three hours. You come in and you get instructors from throughout the department, and you're going to see that culture, and and that service uh, mentality from every instructor that you see there. 
Um, and you'll see that it's part of it's it's part of their their soul, as I call it, you know. And and uh, but what's important too is to understand that that all policing sh the best policing is local, uh, based on your local community. And uh, our our nation is set up that way. We don't have a national police force. I mean, we have investigative uh, authorities that get their their authority through the Commerce Clause, but we don't have a national police force. And the idea was to keep that locally controlled. Uh, the citizens of Sierra Vista should be able to decide how they want their police department to operate versus somebody in Washington, D.C. And so I think that's really important. And what you're going to see when you come into the Citizens Police Academy is how that is interpreted in Sierra, in Sierra Vista, how over the years really the culture of the Sierra Vista Police Department is a reflection of our overall community. And, uh, and then you're going to see why we do certain things. I mean, there's a lot of questions in the news today about police subject management, use of force, why we do certain things. Uh, there's a lot of explanation in that in this class. Uh, I do encourage people to come. I actually like the debate. I teach the constitutional law portion, mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I like to have people say, well, why do you guys do this? And we talk about it and have those conversations. So I think it's really important uh, if people really want to know uh, what the police department is doing is, is to come to the Citizens Police Academy. We're in one a year. It's 12 weeks. I think we hold it to about 20 people this year just uh, to make sure that we have enough space uh, in our training room and, and uh, let them get that opportunity to, to see what we do. Absolutely. Yeah, I would highly recommend it for anyone who's interested. Um, I've covered it a little bit in different shapes and forms. So I've seen little snippets of it, and I've had an opportunity to kind of see behind the scenes anyway. They're um, going to get all kinds of opportunities yeah. to see every section of the department. Mm -hmm. They're also going to have the ability to do ride-alongs with the officers and see them, how they apply it on the street. Right. Uh, you know, and and I think that's really important. The, they get to go through our, our judgmental tr uh, training, uh, use of force training uh, through our Milo system, uh, which is an eye opening experience to, to understand what the officers see when they're when they're dealing with really high risk incidents. Mm -hmm. uh, and they do occur in Servista, not at the volume that they do in big cities, but it do occur here. And we got to make sure our officers are able to 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 handle those situations as safely as possible. Absolutely. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming to speak with us today. Um, are there any closing thoughts you would like to share or, or anything you would kind of like to leave us with? Uh, I, I just think that, uh, you know, knowing that we're here to serve the community, that we're here to keep it on a local level uh, is, is important. And, and that if they have any questions, they can call in the police department. Any officer can answer just about any of these questions. Uh, any of my command staff is available to have conversations with individuals. Uh, I, I encourage you to come out and, and go to the Citizens Police Academy or, you know, throughout the year, periodically, we'll do coffee with a cop. Mm -hmm. We'll do all kinds of different community events. Come out, ask those questions, and, and uh, you know, we'll be, we'll be happy to answer them and, and be part of this community. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Chief Thrasher. It was great speaking with you today. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. All right. If you'd like to learn more about the Citizen Police Academy or download an application, head to www.sierravistaaz.gov. Uh, that's the city's uh, homepage. And search for Citizen Police Academy. You can also call uh, the Sierra Vista Police Department Resource Specialist, Lily Perry, at 520-452-7500. That's 452-7500 uh, for assistance and more information. So that's all for this pilot episode of Let's Talk Sierra Vista. Uh, remember to share your thoughts with us at pod at sierravistaaz.gov, and we'll continue the conversation next time. Take care, everybody.